found us on the map, Mental Health and Addiction Podcast. I'm Kimberly Walsh. I'm here with my co-hosts and good friends, the amazing Andy Panda Bernstein. Hi, Andy. Good morning. Good morning. And the incomparable Chris Perry Long. Wow. Good morning. Wow. (laughs) What exactly does incomparable mean? There's nobody better. There's no comparison. There's nobody better. Nobody better. You're one of a kind. You're talking on this I'm going to fall over off my pedestal. <laughs> I know. What time's the concert? What time's the dead show? So for those of you who are new to our podcast, just a little introduction here. Chris Long has been in the industry for many years, dedicating herself to working with families and helping people get into treatment. Andy has been an advocate for changing the landscape of mental health and addiction for, <laughs> as the producer of Crosscheck Radio with hockey legend Kevin Stevens and through his own experiences. As for me, I have experience in the recovery industry and I now own and operate Brady's Landing, which is a sober home for women on the state. We put this podcast together because all three of us are very passionate about reducing the stigma around mental health and addiction. We believe that the more light we shed on these topics, the less people will shun, ostracize, and otherwise punish those who suffer from mental illness and addiction. So if you have a question during the show, please post it on our Facebook page, Facebook Live. We'll be monitoring the screen and you'll be able to ask whatever questions of the guests or of us. And we welcome that. And um, please share the link with anyone who might uh, benefit from the information we're providing here, and the resources we have. So um, before we introduce today's guest, we have a great show. We want to, we like to check in with one another. So um, we'll start with Chris. How are you feeling today? How's life treating you? Um, so yesterday was like a really kind of bad day. Not like I had fun going and looking at puppies. Don't get me wrong. But then I got home and I just didn't want to be home. You know, like it was nice to get out and um, actually get out. And it was like coming home. We're all so like toast. We're done. Like this. And now that everything's starting to open up, you kind of want to just go. You want to get out. You want to go to the, the weather's beautiful. You want to go to the beach, you know, but there's still that uncertainty. And it's, I don't know. It's like, I feel like a roller coaster, man, up, down, up, down, up, down. And some of it I can control and some of it I can't. And then, you know, my evening ended with a phone call from one of my moms. Um, people are still getting their stimulus checks, uh, their loved one. Uh, was in the program and other members that were in the program received their stimulus checks and um, this individual walked out with two or three other individuals that had received their stimulus checks and nobody has heard from them and so you know um, I'm angry at our government for the way that they went about this they just they didn't think this through they just said let's throw fifteen hundred dollars and everybody that's had a job that doesn't know child support and you know let's give 600 extra dollars a week to people in unemployment um i know what the, the the encouragement behind that was to say you know if we give them enough money maybe they'll stay home but there's that population that nobody's talking about there's the population of people that are suffer from depression anxiety substance abuse mental illness that don't have that kind of money typically in their bank account. And when it happens, it just, it's open the floodgates and, you know, um, it's just, 
it's very frustrating and it, and it's made me very angry. Um, because how would you combat it though? How would you combat the money? Yeah, what's the solution? I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's easy to say, you know, yeah, let's just do this and let's not do that. And, you know, I guess I would encourage in what I've been doing is encouraging loved ones to take those uh, cards that, that they get from the government that gives them access to this money. If it's not a check um, from their loved ones and help them. But I mean, they're, they're, they're adults, you know, you don't want to micromanage them, but ultimately as a parent of a loved one, we know that when they get a thousand dollars, you know, they, we know where it's going to go, especially if they're in early recovery. So I don't know. I mean, there probably is no solution to it. It's just frustrating because there's a lot of people that are losing their lives because they're going back out. There are people that have had um, long-term sobriety that have received this kind of money and it's just given them the ticket and the excuse to go out and, and use. Are there any that haven't gone out and used that have maybe used the money to put a down payment like on an apartment or um, have, has there been any good things that have come from it? Yeah, I mean, there are people that are, are doing it and using it for the right reason. I'm not, you know, I don't know if it's the majority of them or the minority. Right now, it's, you know, the majority of people that I'm dealing with are people that are in early early recovery that are receiving this money. And, um, you know, there's just not enough. And, I, and then you go for meetings and stuff and, you know, there's no meetings. It's not like they can go and I'll sit around the table and talk about, Hey, I got all this money. What are you doing with it? It's in a zoom meeting, you know? So there's no, there's no support that way. And then if you go into detox, like this is, this is what happens. You go into detox, right. And say you're getting the minimum, which is like two thirty a week in unemployment plus the 600. Now you go into detox, you have, you have $800 waiting for you when you come out of detox. $800. So, um, I'm a little yeah. loud at the beach right now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> hold on. I, I <laughs> Keep talking. Andy, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, I am, um, I am good. I'm starting to get in this reopen mode and, uh, it's definitely cool that we're, we're moving forward, but again, it's the fear of the unknown. Yeah. So, um, you know, it definitely takes a toll on you because, you know, it's like, all right, now I'm hunkered down, but now we're ready to kind of move forward, you know? So it's, it's like, I've been institutionalized a little bit home, you know, and now I'm like, all right, now I'm going out again or starting to go out. And, uh, um, so a lot of emotions there, but it's, it's good. But, you know, it's funny. I, um, I was telling you guys, there was actually an article, uh, on CNBC today that, um, they last Thursday, the, the UN released a policy on COVID-19 and mental health. And they're basically saying now, um, it's crystal clear that mental health needs to be treated as a core element of our response to the COVID uh, recovery and, um, you know, in the pandemic. And so uh, that was said by the World Health Organization, but um, what's interesting is is that forty percent of the people um, you know that they polled are actually suffering with mental health issues, mm-hmm. and that it's been on the um, the uprock, you know, the in- increase. Sure. So, um, so we're not alone. Nobody's alone with this, um, 
you know, because it's an adjustment again. What do you guys, what do you guys say? I agree with you on that. There's definitely, um, it's definitely going to be, uh, I want to say, you know what show, but it's, <laughs> but we're not doing that. Uh, it's going to be difficult because of, like I said last week, the number of overdoses and suicides and um, mental illness crises are about to surpass the number of COVID deaths. If, you know, it could happen because people are so depressed and there's, they don't have connection and they're just, they're dropping like flies. So we do have absolutely have to be prepared for this. And I think they should make it part of COVID, part of the COVID reopening and bounce back and healing and all that stuff. I think it has to be, especially when you have 36 million people unemployed, right. you know, that um, because my guess could be wrong. Maybe a quarter of those people get hired back, <laughs> you know, is that, because, what you, is that what you're thinking? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think a quarter, and I'll tell you why. Because I hear, I hear it in my, I hear it in my head. We we have to do more with less. The companies would say, it's all hands on deck, mm-hmm. right? You know, unfortunately, with the COVID, we had to lay people off, so we need everybody really to step in and and take on more responsibility because we don't have the money to do it. You're right. And they don't, right? No, they don't no but that's the, uh, that's kind of the, the, you know, my thought process. So I, so I think it's going to be a lean, a lean time. Um, you know, that's just my take on it. Well, I think the other thing too, is like, you know, with all this money that people are getting, like an unemployment with it, if you do the PU, PUA, which is the pandemic unemployment, or whatever, I don't know what it stands for. I'm assuming that's what it stands for. You can't, you can't get your taxes taken out. So, so say we survive all this, right. And we, we get these jobs like, and they're, the jobs aren't what you've been making because the world has changed. You know, right. you're not going to be making that $27 an hour type of job that <clears throat> you might have been working, you know, pre-COVID. Then you're going to get hit with all these taxes for the unemployment that you're going to get, that you're, you know, that you're collecting. Like it's, it's, decided that the for ripple sure, is, huh? Have they decided that for sure? They're not going to forgive the tax. They're de- you're definitely going to owe it at the end of the. So. I don't know about the extra 600 that you get, but the weekly, I'm assuming you're going to get hit with that. Like, you know, the weekly, like your, what you get for typical wages, like the 236, I'm assuming you're going to get hit for taxes with that. The 600, they better forgive you because I, you know, not everybody's going to say I wanted it. They're just putting it in our bank accounts. I mean, I'm collecting unemployment and I've gone to try to put my taxes on it. And I can't, I can't get my taxes. It says on it, you're unable. And it says, you know, they haven't decided what they're going to do about the taxes right on it. Hmm. So you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Yeah. At least you tried. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So with Memorial Day coming, changing gears, with Memorial Day coming and you're down on the Cape, Kimberly, what, what are you uh, anticipating down there? Do you see, are you thinking you're going to get a ton of people down there? I mean, do you see it's um, already starting? <laughs> Is it? Yeah, it's, we, there's actual there was actual traffic yesterday. We haven't had traffic in you know several months, 
So it's, yeah, I definitely think that it's going to, um, people are just chomping at the bit. They want to get out and you can see it on the beaches and the cars. And um, yeah, I, I don't, I think it'll be less than, I don't think it'll be as, as crowded as it would have been, but I think it will still really think it's going to uh, be okay. Do, do, do you guys see that um, from your worlds? Do you think that, um, you know, addiction is going to pick, you know, kind of, the, you know, you see more alcohol and drug abuse now? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Maybe people are waiting to go to, like, from where they are. They're waiting to go from where they are to the next stage because they're, um, because of COVID, they're still, you know, quarantined. But when that's lifted and they can transfer to say um, even get into treatment or go to sober living from treatment or whatever the transition is, I think that will happen um, right. all at once. <laughs> so we did a good stall, right? We did a good stall because our guest is here. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Not you. that we're stalling, but you know, we were. No, we, had, we did a good fill in. I mean, we could go on forever and talk about a lot of different things, you know, all exactly. kinds of nonsense we could talk about. Just yeah. Cuckoo I was stuff. thinking. I was thinking the other day about uh, about yeah, how can you hear um, me, okay? You know what? You're the best guest we've ever had. You're you're crystal clear, and your audio is great. Check this out. Oh, look nice. at you! See, <laughs> you've come. with little screen and everything. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's my logo back there. I'm getting fancy for you. I love it. Nice. I love it. So we're going to meet Nicole. And Nicole Malloy yep. is our special guest. She is an author. She is a spiritual wellness mentor. And her goal is to help people create a life they love living by overcoming their deeply rooted, highly destructive patterns of self-sabotage. Sabotage. Um, she has written two books titled Stop Sabotaging Your Society or Your Sobriety, I'm sorry, and Stop Sabotaging Your Happiness. Yeah. And so she wrote these two books that everyone and anyone can take this beautiful soul transforming journey to building a better life for themselves. I stole that from your website. Go for it. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm thrilled that you're on. We're happy to have you in. Um, tell us I'm about. Here. I'm really, I'm really excited. Well, good. Hi, Hi. That's Kimberly and that's Chris. Hi. Nice to meet you. Um, so tell us about yourself. Tell us, give us a little background about who you are and um, kind of how did you end up doing what you're doing today? Okay. Um, so, so hmm, where do I begin? Okay. So um, when I was a young girl, I didn't know it at the time, but I was very intuitive and very connected to the other side. But when you start out with something at such, at such a young age, you think it, you think everybody is like that and you think it's very normal. And um, so I would pretty much on a regular basis, get some insights to um, I would get some messages from my spirit guides or whomever is guiding me on the other side when, when things would get kind of tough and um, I've collected that information through the years. Like, for example, my father growing up, um, he struggled with addiction and, um, and drugs. And, it, well, it, it didn't appear that it was a struggle for him. He was very functional. Um, but I knew something was different. Um, 
But one day he was uh, very angry and he was yelling in the kitchen and I started to feel like a, a like kind of a panic. And then all of a sudden I got this intuitive message that said, don't take what your father does or says personally. He doesn't understand how he's hurting people right now, but he will one day. Just don't, don't take it personally. And I was probably around 10 when I got that message. So that allowed me to take a step back from my environment and um, understand it for what it was. Right. Nothing personal. Right. And that's easy. That's great that you learned that at such a young age too. It saved me a lot of grief. And um, I realized later in life when I decided to make a career change that all these insights that were being fed to me these types of insights throughout my life was really it was like a study of the human condition but divinely guided and so i said wow this is not what everybody knows so i'm gonna write a book (laughs) well you know um my understanding is you worked in marketing yeah prior to um you know doing what you're doing now the life coaching mentoring offering or being an author I think the marketing and and life coaching and understanding people really have the same, you know, there's a direct correlation there. Would you agree? I got into marketing because I love the psychology of it. Me too. Yeah. Uh, and it, like eventually my soul rejected it. I found myself living in Las Vegas for 10 years working at oh the boy. casinos. <laughs> oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to keep trying to make people come here and spend their life savings <laughs> right? Um, on a pipe dream. So I left that um, environment. Um, but I eventually realized I don't want to make people feel like they need things and stuff to be whole because they're already whole. So I realized I was kind of working against what um, I wasn't in alignment with what I believed. And you weren't happy because of it. I'm going to guess that you felt like you were, um, you know, not like you said, not in alignment because you were doing one thing, but you really felt another thing. So you weren't being true to yourself. Yeah, I realized a lot, like I said, from a psychology point of view, what makes people want stuff. But then it seemed wrong once I learned. <laughs> well, Kim, you can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a part of my Chris? story, too. With, uh, you know, in long term recovery, I had everything on the outside. It looked great, but it was um, just dead on the inside. So. Yeah, absolutely relate to that. And that's a lot of people these days. So you you, you also mentioned, you know, um, talking to in, on your, in your bio. See, I did research. In your bio, you talk about um, hearing the angels. Mm-hmm. Spirit guides. Spirit I, I guides. My spirit guide. Um, talk yeah. about that. Um, sometimes it feels like a knowing. Sometimes in, or sometimes it sounds audible. There's been a few times in my life where things have been audible. Like the the night I met my husband, it was like, this is the man you're going to marry. I went through, <laughs> I had the same thing. Really? I got back in the golf cart. Yeah. And, She's uh, cooking a bagel right now. I got back in the golf cart and I said, I'm going to marry that girl. I met her. She didn't know it at the time, but I got back in the golf cart. And I said, I'm going to marry her. Oh, <laughs> I was, I didn't say anything. We met in 2005. We didn't get married till 2011. And he ended up getting back together with his ex at the time, the night we met. And I was just fresh out of a relationship. So I was like, I don't even care. It wasn't butterflies. It was more like the sky is blue. This is the man you're going to marry. But also um, there's been other times, like one time I was walking down the, 
the aisle in a, I believe it was Walmart or yeah, Target wasn't around yet. This is when I was younger. And um, I had my head down as I was walking and I heard, don't let that man see you. And I looked up and there was a man walking towards me very aggressively. And so I jetted down the next aisle and I watched him and he, he was in a huff about something, but like, I didn't even know there was a man in front of me. Isn't that amazing? Wow. So, like, uh, yeah. But you're attuned to it. So that's, that's what makes it. And then there, yeah. And then there's been other times I could go on and on. I could probably talk for two hours about really incredible things that have happened on a spiritual level. Like, um, uh, one thing, hold on, I have to close this invite. Um, Another part of my story that's really important is um, is when I, I was raised Roman Catholic and my grandmother used to take me to this place called La Salette in Attleboro, Massachusetts. Yeah. yeah. They have beautiful- I'm from Foxborough. What? I'm from Foxborough. Oh, okay. That's cool. My mom yeah. grew up in that area. Yeah. Um, and so around the age of 13, I believe it was, um, anywhere from 10 to 13, um, we spent the day in the gardens and then we were walking back to my grandmother's car <clears throat> and she saw a nun that she was friendly with. And so I let them talk. I remember being short and looking up at them. And so I really wasn't paying too much attention to their conversation. But then all of a sudden the nun said, I died and I went to heaven and I saw it and it was beautiful. And it was the most, um, it was the most loving, beautiful experience I've ever had. And, and I just, I, that caught my ear and my attention. I looked up at her and I said, you died? And she said, yes. She looked me right in the eyes and I could still feel her and see her looking at me all these years later saying, yes, I died. And I went to heaven, but I was told it wasn't my time and I had to go back. So, so I just have to be patient. So that, um, that I didn't know it at the time, but that really planted a seed in my head um, that it was okay to believe in near-death experiences. This is really before anyone was talking about this stuff. And um, so that night, we stayed at my grandmother's house, and my mom tucked me into bed. This is how young I was. My mom was tucking me into bed, but I didn't want to go to sleep. So after she left the room, I walked to the window, and I was looking out the window, and I heard another message say, you can do anything you want to do in this lifetime. And I intuitively knew it meant career-wise, so I've never been afraid to like. I love that. You can I'm sorry. The reality that we live is being created by us in the moment. It's not pre-planned or predestined, you know. It's you know, I, I have to interject because this is something I've been like focused on this week. I, I was watching the last dance of the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan um, was talking about winning and how he was so intense. And he's like, look. If you want to win, you know, you know, you want to be a part of my journey, you got to get on board. All right. And, and, and basically he was intense. Right. And, and like, for me, I realized, I was like, I don't have to apologize. Mm -hmm. No. And we kind of feel we're, a lot of people are afraid to shine, and right. that goes, it, but we're born with something that God needs us to contribute to this world. Each and every one of us has something and if we don't um, get to a place within ourselves where we start bringing that to the world, then we're not doing our, we're not living up to our agreement that we uh, agreed to God, agreed with 
on the other side with God before we were even born. But that's another conversation for probably later. Another day. Tell us us about your book. Yeah, Yeah. I want to hear about the because we're going to run out of time and we're not going to. Oh, I know. So, yes, it's called Stop Sabotaging Your Sobriety and Create a Life You Love. And um, overall, it talks about how um, how we're we have two parts of us, human and soul. Our human self is all up here in our heads and it's it's driven by ego. And when people hear the word ego, they think, uh, you know, an obnoxious person. <laughs> but by ego, I mean the part of you that's afraid, the part of you that's always trying to keep you safe and therefore still and stuck. Um, it's like your ego is often like a bad friend who gives you terrible advice. Um, Eddie Haskell. <laughs> She's too and, young for Eddie Haskell. No, so. I remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and but your your soul, which is, you know, it's your divine compass, and that's what that logo is. It's a compass, but it's also a mandala with the heart in the middle. Because once you connect to God or the higher power or the Creator, whatever you want to call it, that Creator energy, which is all the same, no matter what you call it, um, then your compass stops being offline and crazy, and you start to. Um, the direction and the decisions you make start to take you in a direction that you're supposed to go in. But in order for that to happen, you need to understand the divine virtues and the mindful modalities, which I talk about in my book. So basically it's like with the mindful modalities, I try to teach people how to be smarter than their own minds, because that's the part that sabotages us. And then I, talk about the divine virtues which is kind of like realigns your moral compass so that when you're making decisions you're like does am i making this decision being humble am i being simple am i working in faith am i um am i working out of revenge or have i forgiven you know that that kind of stuff so i talk about that in the book and um also i talk about how to use your physical body to um alert your higher self once you align those two parts of yourself how to pay attention to your physical body to know when a relapse might be coming on so many people ignore the pain in their gut or their back ache or their neck ache and or that sour stomach feeling like i'll know right i i check in with myself on such a regular basis that if i have a if my heart feels like it's a little bit thumping too fast or if my stomach hurts I'll be like did I just have a conversation with someone that bothered me or did I just have you know sometimes we talk to ourselves did something I just think of trigger a yucky emotion and if you don't work the work back to the root of what just triggered that feeling um, those things start to pile up and they'll um, they'll bite you in the butt in the form of like, I'll just have one drink. I'll just have one, whatever. And so in the book, I try to talk, uh, tell people about how to use your whole being to help with recovery or just creating a beautiful life for yourself. And the book isn't necessarily something just for people who struggle with addiction. Like uh, I was before the pandemic happened, I was turning it into a second book for anyone who wants to read it. But then I had to switch gears and I created an online course. So I'll get back to the second book soon. <laughs> why did no, you what why did you choose addiction? I mean, like what what like um, a lot of people there. A lot of people ask me that and it was totally driven by God. I have Are no in, that's a I can relate. 
Yeah, we do a lot of work with that here at Brady's. Like we do the full um, getting in touch with your body and the physical aspects and, and how to know that that's a part of where your mind goes wrong when you start in the down that path to go on autopilot yep. and possibly begin the relapse. And it's it's so subtle, but yeah, I, I love the, right. Yeah. It's very subtle, but the more time you pay, the more time you give to your soul to try to build that part of you, it's your intuition grows. Like you become more sensitive to those emotions because the goal is to live in kind of stillness. Everyone thinks everyone thinks happiness is running around skipping all the time, but happiness is really just being able to be still in a moment and not having your mind take over your your being. You know. Should absolutely side, you know, sideswipe you and take over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people, I actually, when I wrote the book, some people are like, what right do you have to write this book? You've never struggled, but I, I come from a family who of more than just my dad who has struggled. And I've had these intuitive insights since I was a little kid. So why not help people who need it? The, maybe not the most, but you know, who really need it. Um, can I say one more thing? I don't want yeah, to keep going. No, yeah. Keep, yeah. Absolutely. All right. um, I, I got this divine message um, that pushed me to write the book. And it was that um, so many, okay. How much time do I have? <laughs> You're, You're good. You're fine. Yeah. You're good. Okay. So I just want to say this, when we die and we go to the other side, first off, the process of leaving this rental, which is like a rental car, our bodies are like rental cars, you know, everyone says that they, when they rise up out of their body and they look down, they are not at all attached to their physical body. They're like, oh, I'm dead. Hmm. Right. <laughs> and, and then the, the light usually comes, there's variations of it but usually the light comes and it's overwhelming right it, overwhelming with joy and love and just healing all the parts of you but when we get to the other side there's typically a life review i've studied so many near-death experiences because of what ha happened to me with that nun when i was a kid and i believe that god started giving a lot of people these near-death experiences because so many people have stepped away from organized religion and they have no guidance in that spiritual department anymore. And therefore depression and anxiety and suicide and addiction is skyrocketing because of that. So I feel like God really wants these stories of near-death um, knowledge gained on the other side to be shared. So anyways, um, the, the most important question you'll ever be asked in your lifetime is did your soul learn the lessons it set out to learn when you were born. And if you can answer yes, great, cool. Go on yeah. vacation for a little bit, um, relax. But in your next lifetime, that conflicts with Christianity, I know, but like a lot of people who have had near-death experiences are saying, yes, we reincarnate until our souls reach the, the level of wisdom it needs to reach. We need to that, reach. That's awesome. Now listen to this. Oh, this, this is so powerful. So if your soul did not learn the wisdom it set out to learn in this lifetime, you have to do it again in your next lifetime, plus your next set of lessons. So I got this, this message um, that, that said, so many people are not reaching their potential and not learning their lessons because, um, because of this 
disconnect from spirituality. Um, but I feel having all this information, I feel that, oh, it's also thought that we choose our hardships based on the lessons our soul needs to learn to grow and evolve. So, and it keeps staying there until you learn it. Yes. But the, the thing is we choose our hardships. So I feel that a person's soul might purposefully choose to live the life of an addict in this lifetime, because if a soul didn't learn these lessons, they can pile up. But I feel like addiction is an experience that someone can get a multitude of lessons out of the way in one lifetime and just be done with them if they can do it. And your soul wouldn't have signed up for it in the first place if it didn't know that you could do it. So is that making sense? I love that. That's, That's deep. That's very deep. That's awesome. So the thing is, life is not happening to you. It's happening for you. And you are in it because God, your spirit guides, and your soul knows that you can do it. So are there times, I I have to jump in. Okay, so are there times in your (laughs) life, and I'll ask this to all you guys, are there times in your life where you say, I'm going to ignore this stuff, right? And I'm going to force a situation because I think that I'm supposed to have this. And when you do that, you end up really making a mistake because you're not listening to things. Have you experienced this? You mean trying to like force something, whatever that might be in your Yeah, ignoring the, either ignoring or not hearing the messages that you're supposed to get. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do that a lot more. Now I'm kind of just like, I ride the wave. I'm like, tell me where we're going. (laughs) Uh, For example, the prime example of what you're talking about is how this book came to be. So before, before I wrote this book, I started a charitable coffee company called We the People Coffee and um, donated to nonprofits. But it was it's it, it cost a lot of money to run and I ran out of money. I had to shut it down. But um, in the back of the book, I tell this story, too. But so I was praying to God. I'm like, what do you want me to do? I had this experience that I can't really get into because it'll take too much time. But it's in the book where I had this like kind of it's called a Kundalini awakening. It's when your whole body like gets really like hot and like your soul is like feels on fire it was amazing it's in the book um but anyways i kept getting this vision of a compass and guiding people and this was the message i was getting guiding people compass and so as soon as i got i was getting a massage a back uh, i was laying on my stomach getting a massage at the time and usually i'm really good at shutting things out and just enjoying a massage you know because it's it's a treat you know um this time I could not shut it off. And I, I went for a walk after the massage to calm down. <laughs> right. um, so then I went home, I called my graphic designer. I'm like, please design me something. She designed that. It was perfect. Um, about six months later, I was praying to God. I'm like, what do you want me to do? I, I need answers. And so a few weeks later, I was scrolling through Instagram. I got this advertisement served for a book writing course um and for what is it heart-centered entrepreneurs who want to um turn their practice into coaching and helping people i'm like well that's perfect so i applied and there were four video interviews and 
at the end of the third interview, they said, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to tell you how much it's going to cost to write your book and take this training. And I was like, okay. And they're like, and by the fourth call, you have to have the money to pay for it on the call. And they're like, I know that sounds salesy, but it's because mm -hmm. most people will never come back. Right, they'll, they'll become flakes and they just they'll talk themselves out of it, out of fear, mm -hmm. out of the ego and everything. So I'm like, I get it. Okay. So I went through the series of interviews and at the end of the third call, they're like, it's going to cost $14,000 to write your book. I was wow. like, what? Because the, the thing with the book is I had tried to write it for a year and it wasn't working. Like at the first, I was, in the beginning, I was flaky about it, but then I really tried and I just couldn't understand the process to writing a book. So this person guaranteed that you would have a book written in three months. I'm like, that's what I want. Right. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't have $14,000. I spent it all on the program, uh, on the business I was running before this. So I said a prayer to God and I was crying because I knew this was my path. Um, a psychic had actually told me before, I see you being a published author in your lifetime. I'm like, oh, okay. um, and um, I said, God, this is an example of what you were just talking about. Um, if, if this is what you want me to do, you have to have $14,000 find me in two days time for my next call. And I just like, I, I literally a hundred percent let it go. Like turned over my entire troubles to God. And I went downstairs and I was talking to my husband and my aunt texted me and she said, do you want Kevin's little rocking chair for your daughter? Kevin is her son who passed away. Um, drunk driving motorcycle accident. Um, and uh, I said, yeah, that'd be great. And she's like, let's meet at Panera tomorrow. I was like, okay, great. She walked into us uh, at the cafe. She was wearing a compass shirt and compass earrings. Wow. And uh, I told her, I said, I did not bring, I didn't bring up the money or the anything because I didn't want to owe family money anymore. I had let it go that much because um, I owed some money from the last company. And I, we were talking about family and what I wanted to do with my life. And she said, you should write a book. And I was like, okay. You say that. <laughs> right. I'll take that as a sign that I'm supposed to at least bringing, bring it up. So I brought up the course and I told her how much it cost. And I changed the subject back to family. When we finished our coffees, we went to the car and she said, what if I ask your um, uncle if we can loan you the money? I didn't even ask for it. So it's kind of in line with what you were saying. Like we can try to force things, but it only really works if we turn it ourselves and what's supposed to be over to God completely. Because if we try to resist too much, we cause ourselves undue stress because what's supposed to be will be. And, yes. and it's, you're it's, almost becoming like a roadblock to God's, you know, plan for you plan. Yeah. too hard. Yeah. So funny you should say 14000 That's just such a trip because part of my story is when I was trying to get this house for the sober living is that um, I had, that's what they told me, the escrow is going to be $14,000. And I was like, I don't have $14,000. What, what are you talking about? Where There was two hours left and time to sign the papers. And we, we were in escrow and I had to come up with $14,000. So I was just running around from different bank to different bank and it's now yeah. it's down to the wire. And so I went into citizens and I had an old bank account and I was like, maybe I can, you know, wire this money from here. I was just trying to figure it out. And they, and they were like, no, it's not going to happen. So I went into the branch and I said, 
you know, please help me. I'm crying. I don't know what to do. This escrow is not, not going to go through. And she goes, uh, Miss Walsh, there's, um, have you checked your account here? And I said, no, there's nothing in this account. I haven't looked at it for two years. And she turns the screen around and there's not 15,000, not 13,000, but there's $14,000 in my bank account. And I was like, what? I couldn't, it, I was absolutely floored. And then I just got goosebumps because yeah, just- I did too. It's because we're supposed to be doing this work because God needs all everyone who's struggling with addiction. God needs them to step up to the plate. God needs them to work through these issues because their soul needs to advance. Like I was saying, like, cause once your soul advances past all these things, then you can step into another version of your higher self and like contribute like a video to- game, like a video game. You get master one. <laughs> board. Oh, but like, uh, you can start to contribute your talents and your gifts and your interests, and you can give to your community. And you, you know, a lot of times your struggle was there to help others too. And, um, because you could support people through it. But I, I honestly feel that addiction, um, is a person's opportunity to get a series of lessons completely out of the way in one lifetime and start fresh. And um, I also want to say something about suicide or um, overdose. A lot of people are wondering um, what happens. So the, the people who commit suicide do not go to hell. Um, people who overdose do not go to hell. Um, but they do have to repeat their lessons over in a later lifetime, which you know, could be several human years away. There's no such thing as time on the other side, but like, so before you give up complete hope, ask yourself, do you really want to do this again? (laughs) Do you really want to come this far just to stop now? Like, no, no. That's too much time battling. Like you have to win this. You just have to, (laughs) and you can, because your soul wouldn't have signed up for it. If you couldn't, it doesn't go away. Right. It it doesn't go away. Even in this lifetime. I mean, you've got to walk. The only way out is through, you know? Yeah. So I just want to share a quick story. So when I first moved to Foxborough, I didn't really come with a whole lot of, I mean, I grew up in a religious background, but I didn't come like, I just did, wasn't doing the church thing. And my neighbors were very churchy people. And I went to their church. I loved it. And I decided that I wanted to accept Christ. So, you know, I'm sitting in the, the pastor's office and I said, all right, so what does this involve? Like, what do I have to do? Can I still drink? You know, I'm not an addict, but can I still have, can I still have a beer? You know, can I, can I swear? Like all these things. I thought I had to like do this different life. Yeah. And he just laughed and he's like, no, you can be you and do the things that you need to do, so on and so forth. So I did it and I accepted Christ and became a uh, born again and all that fun stuff. So I get into my car and I had the radio on Kiss 108 and <laughs> I turned the radio on and um, on Eagles on Eagles Way came on the radio, which is Kiss 108. love the Eagles. Right. Well, on it's a song. I don't think it's by the Eagles, is it? Right. On Eagles' wings, I think. On Eagles' wings. You know, it's like God, whatever. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is like. On Eagles' wings. Yeah. 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 So I was like, okay, that's crazy, whatever. And I always felt like um, my messages from God would come through music. Like, I, you know, music is how I communicate. When I pray, it's like I 
I look for music and messages through music. The other way I do it, and I know this is crazy, but so my kids, uh, my older two kids are in recovery now, but we went through uh, many years of, of suffering and struggling. I had three other children, you know, it was awful. And I finally got to the point where I allowed myself to turn myself over to allow God to show me the way to help my kids best as well as education. But I used to flip a coin and I'd be like, all right, this is it. One flip, you know, and like, if it's heads, I, whatever tails, whatever, but I would always flip the coin and I'd always ask God, be like, tell me what I'm supposed to do. And it was really hard to entrust. I know it sounds crazy, but it, so I'd flip the coin and if it was heads and I'd stick to it and it always turned out okay, which made me flip the coin the next time and flip the coin the next time. And to this day, if I'm, if I am at crossroads with a decision, because I don't know, I'm getting pulled in different directions. I flip the coin and, you know, I pray on it, but I flip the coin. So it's definitely about higher power and such. Mm -hmm. One thing I notice about flipping a coin that I um, do is like when it's spinning in the air, um, like if it's a question like of, you know, uh, importance while it's spinning in the air, what are you hoping for? Right. That too. Um, also, I, I do want to say I've been getting some messages lately about the importance of um, being still. And a lot of people call it meditating. Um, meditating kind of scares people away. Like, oh, I can't meditate. I can't sit still for 20 minutes or whatever. But it's more about um, the, the longer you can sit still and just kind of be in this quietness where you're not your mind and you're more your soul um you can before you begin your meditation you can ask a question and be like please provide me with the answers i need and um one thing that i've learned is like uh that's how i get my information quite often is if I'm just still and the more you do it, you actually could take that with you into your daily life and you don't need to sit in a quiet room with a candle lit. You know what I mean? It's almost like you can close your eyes anywhere and you start getting really intuitive. But what I do is when I'm alone uh, and I close my eyes, I try to like, I, I, I visualize a triangle right here in my head and I try to stay, keep my thoughts in this tiny little area because otherwise they just, my head, my thoughts go like, what's for dinner and and, uh, all that stuff. But, um, if you can try to stay centered right here and just know that this part of your mind in that little safe triangle spot is nothing but quiet and love and peace. And that's your safe spot. Like, I feel like that's when you can start to meditation starts to become real. I don't know if that helps. Is there a correlation to your third eye there? (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like the area of the third eye. Um, It's, it's the, the refuge from the noise of the human mind. (laughs) When you, okay. So with this COVID, with the COVID right now, the cove, the cove, the cove, <laughs> the cove. With that, how do you? What do you sense? Right. What What does your spirit tell you? What's going to be now that we're reopening? And what do, What do you What do you feel? Well, um, I actually made some notes 
because I was kind of hoping or thinking you'd ask that. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So each one of us, your soul, my soul, your soul, your soul, everyone on this planet, we're all a particle. We're all a part of the greater whole of God. We come from God and God is nothing but unconditional love and he is energy. Therefore we are energy. So that's why when we pray, there's actual responses that we get, whether that be through, you know, listening to music or uh, flipping a coin or praying, whatever it is. That's why we get answers because when we send our energy out, we're going to get it back as long as we're connecting with God or the creator energy. So I feel, and God works through people. God just isn't a magician and sprinkles fairy dust. You know, he just, um, and uh, I I believe that um, the story for mankind is a mix between things that are supposed to happen and free will. Someone's near death experience once said that they were shown that um, they could, choose their life based on how it would make them feel. And they reached into this void and took away things uh, that they just uh, didn't want to experience in their life. And then free will shifted the reality. So this is, it gets really deep. No, it's great. (laughs) So anyways, um, because we are all energy, I feel like there was a collective cry for help. Um, Like we have strayed so far from who we are. Um, We've let consumerism and vanity and everything just take us over and we have no grounding anymore and we need help. Whether that cry was unconscious or conscious, we were still all setting it out there. Whether, you know, addiction as well, cry for help um, to the source from which we came. And I believe he answered in such a way that we were all sent to our rooms for (laughs) two months (laughs) (laughs) to sit by ourselves. And whatever, whatever each person's unique experience is, is exactly what it was supposed to be. Um, I believe that the people who have died from COVID so far um, before they were even born, they agreed to play that role. I know that that's, crazy but the the world wouldn't have shut down if people hadn't died it wouldn't have created this opportunity for people to heal so i feel like the people who have died from covid are actually unsung heroes that will never get a thank you because people don't think this way normally um but i am incredibly grateful for that um sacrifice that they've made um to create this opportunity um there are some There are some Native American prophecies that say that mental health will um, be our main focus over the next decade or so, and that our mental health is going to improve tremendously because of it. And what's going to bring that on? COVID, right? We're being forced to look within. We're being forced to reach our wits end. We're being forced to make changes that we wouldn't make normally. So I really feel like as scary as things can get, if you listen to the media too much, which I do not suggest. Yeah, I do that. Um, <laughs> Bad. Because um, you don't know what's motivating those people. Anyways, that's another discussion. I love I'm with it. you on that one, Nicole. I'm with you on that one, 100%. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, but you were saying, you guys were chatting before I came on, you were talking about doing more with less, and um, you were talking about how men- uh, 
mental health. And I feel like mental health will improve simply because it has to. Um, and when you were saying we have to do more with less, um, as far as healing goes, mental and spiritual healing, um, another, uh, I listened to a woman's near death experience, which is really, it was beautiful. It was an hour long. She said that she was told by the creator that we need to become more inspired by Native Americans. And my jaw almost dropped um, when she said this, because once COVID really started coming in, I was being drawn to Native things. And then maybe a month into uh, the pandemic, I watched this woman's NDE and I was like, I knew that. And so, like you said, you, uh, Chris, you hear things through music and sometimes I'll find synchronicities in people's near death experiences or whatever the case may be. And the signs are everywhere. You just have to learn to listen to them. But so we need to be inspired by the native Americans and they honored the earth. And there's actual, um, there's energy in the earth that is healing. Like if you put your hands and your feet on the earth, you'll begin to heal because your soul will connect with the energy that's in the soil, in the trees, in the grass, because God made that too. So I highly suggest that people start gardening. I know that sounds crazy, but whether it's a planter or not, just get your hands in the soil and create something. It will help spur healing. That's so weird. One of my, um, my, my buddies who um, is in recovery and he's, um, he's, struggles with mental health issues and um i had been worried about him so i'd call him and check in on him and he checks in on me and i hadn't heard him from from for a couple of days maybe a week and i said how are you and he said i started a garden Aww, that's and i said I, and i said well what are you growing it's like cucumbers and and all this stuff and i'm like good for you like i because i was worried about him Mm-hmm. And you just mentioned garden. He actually started a garden. He's probably the last person I thought would start a garden. And that, you know, that, yeah, that's awesome. We do a garden here too for the girls. We've got a garden. We had a like a zucchini, and they, you know, they dig in the dirt because I know that's that. That's where the, the good energy is, and it's yeah. a big guy though, um, like a big guy, you know, type of <laughs> like guy. Size doesn't matter. Yeah, doesn't no, but matter. I'm just saying he well, wouldn't no. be. <laughs> You know, it's not just a woman who can, you know, it's like, like, here's a guy who just started doing that, right, to start (laughs) helping his mental health through. When I am, um, the other day, I spent the entire day um, with my hands in the soil, my phone was in the house. And I feel like when you're working in the garden, you're almost in a meditative state that I was talking about. You're in this zone where you're not really thinking too much about other things. And that's so healthy for your head. And another thing that gardening can lead to is a closer community. Once things open up a little bit more, we can get back into farmer's markets. Like naturally we are, um, we are, uh, hardwired to live in tribes or villages with, that are small. And we've kind of gotten to a place in the world today where we can do everything quickly on our phone, like super fast, don't need to interact with anyone. And therefore we feel like other people don't need us as well. And so if we can take those vegetables and bring them to a farmer's market or give them to our neighbors, it kind of like starts this whole organic um, way of living again. And I 
feel like we need to get back to basics. And that's another thing, if, if I may add, when I was in sixth or eighth grade, I was at PCIS in Plymouth. Um, and uh, I can't remember which grade it was because I went to Sacred Heart in seventh grade. But I remember giving a presentation, standing up in the classroom, saying, in our lifetime, we are all going to have to go back to basics and learn how to grow our own food again. And I looked at my teacher like, right? Expecting her to be like, yeah, yeah. And she was like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, fun. I think what's kind of weird, and I've been thinking about a lot of this, like we had early, early in this uh, epidemic pandemic, we had talked about like the isolation and how the similarities of during Holocaust, how people were isolating. Obviously, you know, we're not to that extent. We weren't, we weren't hiding from people, but we were hiding from um, the pandemic basically. Right. But then you also think about, and I just completely lost my train of thought. Um, oh, Y2K. Everybody went crazy for Y2K. You know, they're stockpiling and, yes. and the world didn't, the world didn't end. I mean, there were people that thought that Y2K, the world was going to end. And, you know, I think that, that God obviously is doing things for a reason. And maybe he did this to slow everybody down. I mean, oh, we're, we're on that fast lane and life is zooming by and we're not enjoying we're not living it no we're not enjoying what we have no that seems so a race yeah. <laughs> you know? where are we racing to because six feet under is the end i know and you can't take it with you either can't take it with yeah. you right it's a human soul's nature to create so i think we were bound to get here at some point grow you know start a business grow it grow it grow, grow it. and then it becomes these big corporations and stuff but i feel like it's reached a point where it's unhealthy it's killing the planet it's causing killing people killing people like there's nothing healthy about where we just were and i feel like as traumatic and um chaotic as it seems uh it's supposed to be this way there was this one man who had a a near-death experience he was a pilot and he was landing his plane i think he was in the air force he must have been right um and he said something happened and the plane crashed and he felt his soul come out of his body and he was looking around and everything was in slow motion. He saw the plane's propeller. Like he said, it was like, he saw the propeller flying through the air. He saw people on the sideline. Like, so he, he's in the human world. What everyone was watching was very chaotic and very scary. But he said he knew in that moment, well, well, where everything was falling apart, that everything was happening exactly as it should be. Mm. And wow. I'm like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> so no matter how chaotic things seem, like you really just have to turn your faith over to God 100% and be like, I trust you. And, you know, even if the worst happens and we end up dying, like from what I understand, that's the most beautiful experience in our life is the transfer back to where we come from, where everything is just perfect. And God God doesn't judge us. We actually judge our own lifetimes. Um, We view our life and our actions and our words um, through the eyes of the people who we, you know, made laugh or made cry. And God's judgment. Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell us, Nicole, where can we get your book? Where can people find you? Good question. Uh, 
So it's for sale on Amazon.com for $14.99, but I also have 400 copies in my basement right now. I want one. I want one too. Me too. um, I'm trying to figure out a way to create a a webpage where people can pay whatever they want for it. Um, I originally was giving it away for free, but everyone's like, I just want to pay something for it. Yeah, I'm going to, I mean, I'll buy it, but I definitely want one. Cool. Yeah. I'm not Uh, looking for a media copy. I'm just, uh, (laughs) Okay. <laughs> no, no. I mean, if somebody genuinely can't afford it, I will pay for shipping, but I need at least $5 for shipping. Um, but so if, if people want a copy of the book, just email me at hello at nicolemalloy.com. So that's awesome. N-I-C-O-L-E-M-O-L-L-O-Y.com and just put book in the subject line and, um, I'll get your address and I'll send you however many copies you want and you could pay whatever you want. I have Venmo, I have PayPal. Um, We'll put them on our page too. Yeah, that'd be great. And I've also created um, a free masterclass for people who, who might want to do that. It's like a series of five videos that I send to people via email. Um, That's on my website. If you go to NicoleMalloy.com and scroll down a bit, um, there's a, you'll see my blogs and it's on there. And if it's not on there, just click on the blog area on the top. Great. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for joining us. It's been so enlightening. Love I, I it. really, really loved it. I could talk for hours. Will you come back? Will you come back? Yeah. Again? I'd love to. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because we could listen for hours. So it's just a great, amazing, amazing stories. I love it. Sometimes I'm at home by myself and I'm like, just, I want to talk to somebody about <laughs> Love <laughs> it. Say it. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Well, that's going to do it for us today, guys. Did you have any other questions for, for Nicole? No, but Chris is going to tell us where, where you can connect with us. Oh, you can find us on Facebook, uh, the map. It actually comes up map, but it is the map. Okay. Um, we are, what is it? What is what? The links. Um, so, so we're, we got the Gmail, the map podcast 20 at Gmail, yeah. right? No. The, ins- the Instagram, but no, no, no. What are the links that we can hear the show on? Oh, fcatv.org backslash live. Yeah. Um, as well as on our page on map um, Facebook page. Okay. Maybe I'll shoot you a message and you can send me those links. Will do. Be great. Um, I also want to let people know that I'm working on a um, course called Cultivating a Mindful Heart. And you know how I talked about aligning your head and your heart together with the virtues and the modalities. Um, if people really want to deep dive and do the introspective work, I'm developing a program that will help people to really get into it. That's I love great. it. That's yeah. great. Love All right. That. Thanks yeah. so much, Nicole. Have okay. a great day. Uh, Long weekend. <laughs> Thanks, Nicole. You too. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you. And thank you, all of you, for your support of our mission. And uh, we won't have the show on Friday, just letting you know. We're um, taking the day off. No, there's just a sabbatical. Sabbatical. <laughs> um, don't forget to follow us and like us on Facebook and uh, follow us on Instagram at the Map Podcast 20. And so we will see you all again on Wednesday, the 27th been listening to the map. Bye everybody. Bye everybody. Bye everybody. Have a nice weekend.